Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I'm really excited to share and facilitate our time in the Word together today, wherever you are. And uh, I'm going to share what's, what I've been stuck on in a good way. For a little while now, I've been unable to move past a specific moment. As you know, we're going through the Gospel of Luke uh, in our Thursdays, and we're picking that back up this week. But in my private time, I'm also meditating and chewing slowly. That's the way I like to meditate on Scripture. I'm not in a rush. I like to go slow and just take my time in the scripture. And I, I've been stuck in a specific moment and my heart has been arrested in Luke's account, specifically when Jesus calls his first disciples. So we're gonna read this scene and reflect on the specific moment that grabbed me. And we're gonna do it now. So if you can just prepare, I would like you to read in whatever medium of Bible that you have in front of you, whether it's the paper book Bible, whether it's an app, whether you go into a new tab quickly and you get uh, the, the gospel open, please go to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to be reading, we're going to be reading from verse 1 to 11. This is the scene where Jesus calls his first disciples. And we're going to, today we're going to pay specific attention and focus our attention on Simon Peter. And Jesus calls a group of disciples here, as we know, as we're going to read. But we're going to be focusing primarily on Peter today. So Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, I'll read it for you. And it says this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's just another name for the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting, to, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Jesus asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their parent, to their partners in the other boats to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats, and so the bay began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James, John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when he had brought, them, brought, when he had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So we're following Luke's gospel account and this is where, as, you, as we've just read, Jesus calls not just Peter, but the first group of disciples. 
Now, it's interesting to note that this is not Peter and Jesus' first meeting if we are to follow Luke's account. Well, just a chapter earlier in Luke chapter 4, Jesus already met Peter and visited his home in Capernaum and healed his, his mother-in-law. But this net bursting catch was the second Jesus miracle Peter had recently witnessed. And what makes this miracle so poignant is that it literally floors Peter and postures him to leave everything and follow Jesus. I want to read the verse that captured me, that arrested my heart, and that is the basis for my sharing today. And that's verse 8 that we've just read. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, let's not rush past Peter's response. I want us all today to pause, to ponder, and to reflect on this moment. Peter prostrate, face buried in the bow of his, of his fish reeking boat, just there at Jesus' knees. I want you to picture this moment as if you yourself were witnessing the scene, that you in eyeshot saw what was happening. Then I want you to zoom in, in your mind, zoom into Peter's bowed body and position your view alongside Peter's from the very deck of his boat, where only you see Jesus' feet and his knees. Peter is bowing at the Messiah. Now, can you, can you feel Peter's heart when he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter finally saw himself clear in the light and the revelation of Jesus. It's as if for the, for the first time he was looking at it, well, as, it's as if through all his life he was looking at himself through a dirty, murky mirror full of distortions and stains. Now, a spotless, pure mirror stands before him, and as he looks in, he finds the dirt and the distortions were, were on his side of the mirror the whole time. He saw himself clearly for the first time, and he can only respond with, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Truly, this is how all of us responded when we met Jesus and stared into his pure and his spotless face. We, like Peter, start our journey with Jesus on our knees face in the dirt, fully aware of our sinful state without him. Repentance is our first response in encountering Jesus and his majestic love and glory. We echo not just Peter's repentant response, but Isaiah's before him. A well-known chapter in Isaiah, when Isaiah catches a glimpse of God's glory through a vision in Isaiah 6. And I'm just going to read verse 5 for you. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. I'll read it. You can stay in Luke's gospel. We will, we'll, we'll continue from there shortly. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. When Isaiah caught a glimpse of the Lord. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Peter and Isaiah both had two revelations in their encounters. First, and most importantly, the Lord is revealed to them full in his wonder and his glory. 
but also their hearts were revealed to them in the presence of the Lord and his light. They see themselves for who they truly are without the Lord. Apart from Jesus, they are undone, they are lost, and they are unclean. This rep repentance response characterizes all of our first encounters, as we said, when we meet Jesus and we hear of his gospel, and it penetrates our hearts. Like Peter, Jesus chooses us, not the other way around, and our course of our lives are changed forever. So often we say we found Jesus, but the truth is Jesus found us, and never will our lives be the same. And we leave everything we previously came to know and rely on, and we follow him in surrender and reckless abandon, just like Peter. But what I'm coming to know, what I'm coming to learn and have a realization of, and the heart of my sharing today is, we are never to lift our face from the dirt. Being prostrate before the Lord Jesus is not just a momentary position, but it is a continued posture. Isaiah's, Peter's, and our own repentance response is to continue and to develop into a posture. This is a posture of a Jesus follower. The Luke 5, which we read, the net-busting miracle, only began Peter's apprenticeship with Jesus. And it only begins ours. Like Peter, we are finally in the surrendered position that allows us to truly follow Jesus with everything we have. For Peter, this was a personally prophetic, vocational changing miracle at the hands of his now revealed Messiah. From this moment, from this net busting miracle moment, Peter will be in the service of his Lord Jesus, who is calling him nearer and closer into an intimate walk with him. Peter will be apprenticing this rabbi, nay, he will be apprenticing his Lord Jesus. Jesus has stepped into his boat and has changed his course forever. In this miraculous moment, Peter found that his boat, which was previously filled with his own experience, his own know-how, and his own effort, has been completely emptied. Note, he, he did what he would always do. He would go out at night and he would catch fish in the night, in the hours that where fish were known to be caught. He gave up, he returned empty netted to the shore, and there is a rabbi, Jesus, teaching. And he gets into his boat, and he uses his boat, and in the middle of the water with the great acoustics, he shares a message, which Luke doesn't detail. But can you imagine Peter reclining in his boat, listening, looking up as he sees the seated Jesus, and just staring and listening to his words? Then you know when the Messiah this rabbi says, cast your nets. And he's like, I've done everything I know how to do to catch fish. And I haven't caught a thing. But at your word, as, as I've heard you, rabbi, I will do. As I've seen you heal my mother-in-law, I will do. You see, Peter realizes that his own expertise, his own know-how, and his own effort will always come up empty. The truth is now he's no longer at the rudder. The person of Jesus is not just on board his boat, but he is leading, direct, directing, and instructing Peter's fishing and life and movements. Peter, however, will be not leaving his life of fishing. He's just directed to a different catch 
entirely. He will soon exchange the nets he used for fish for the words and the ways of Jesus to catch men and women. He will use Christ's agape love to haul them from the dark depths and into the life of the gospel. Now maybe you were like me and you, re you will reply with these words. Amen, Stephen. I've given leadership of my life to Jesus and his ways a long time ago, and it's been wonderful. But I fear in saying this, we reduce our salvation to just a turning point and just a decision in time. I'm only beginning to learn the depths of Paul's words in Philippians 2 when he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I'm not going to unpack that phrase. I'm not going to go into a theological discussion on what salvation is. Rather, I want to do what Paul himself does where these very words are home and found in Philippians. And that's in the chapter. And what Paul does in Philippians chapter 2, what he bases this chapter, and maybe even the book of Philippians, is he points to Jesus as an example of what working out our salvation with fear and trembling looks like. And Paul does this in Philippians chapter 2 through the Christ hymn. Now, we, you know I frequent this hymn. And when we went through the book of Philippians as a Bible study, you know the depth and the beauty that we merely have just touched the surface. We're not going to go into detail of this verse, but we're going to read it quickly. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 11. I'll read it for you. This is whether Paul's words or not, whether he borrows them or whether they're his, this is what the Christ him says. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What I want to focus on in this hymn is what the author's focus is on. You see, there's a foundation of this hymn. There's a main focus that the author wants to communicate. And using chiastic structure and chiasm, we know that the author's focus of this hymn is the center point of this hymn. And that is verse 8. Verse 8 is the center and the foundation of this Christ hymn. Let me read it for you again. It says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This verse captures Jesus' posture as he followed his father. Jesus becoming human was a humbling posture all on its own. God himself taking the form of a human and serving others in a physical body. But Jesus' posture stoops lower still. As this verse continues, it says, He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Think of that phrase, becoming obedient. Let's not make light of those words. 
Jesus progressively displayed obedience throughout his life. Firstly to his earthly parents, to the mission his heavenly father called him to, through his wilderness temptations, through his Gethsemane moments, and through the wrenching physical, emotional, and mental pain of the cross. Jesus in his life and his death demonstrates the posture process of becoming obedient to the Father's will. The longer we journey with our rabbi, the more we lower our heart's posture in worship to him. In fear and trembling, we become obedient if we are to truly follow him. There is no letting up. And although we often seek and escape, we seek relief, I know I do, there is no other way than the cross of Jesus. There is no other posture than the one Jesus displays on the cross. Jesus' posture is the demonstrated example. Paul, in this chapter of Philippians, a follower of Jesus, Paul, a follower of Jesus, looks to embody in his following of, the, of his Messiah. Jesus' posture is the example Peter, a follower of Jesus, looks to embody in following his Lord. Jesus' posture is the demonstrated example we, as followers of Jesus, are to embody. You see, like Peter, in all honesty, in sincerity, and with no malcontent of heart, we sometimes feel we've got this. We've got this walk, we've got this way of Jesus, we've got this Christian life. Sure that we will follow him to prison and to death, even if Jesus himself foretells of our coming denials of him, like he told Peter. Jesus knows this gospel life will take everything we got and more of ourselves will be broken and surrendered on its path. I'm hinting at Peter's denial of Jesus. And I want to pick up in Luke again from 22. So you can turn there, Luke chapter 22. And we're going to read the last denial that Peter uttered from his mouth of Jesus from verse 60 to 62. Luke 22 from 60 to 62. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And picture this moment again in your, in your mind. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. On our walk following Jesus, we will be continually confronted with the reflection of our prideful hearts in the face of Jesus, and we will all weep bitterly. Three years since he began following his master, his Lord, his rabbi, Peter's posture is still is yet more painfully lowered further. Indeed, Peter's walk with Jesus can be an allegory for all of ours. As soon as we think we've got this life, as soon as we think we understand what it means to be a believer and a follower of Jesus, we unknowingly enter into prideful moments and we unknowingly resist the work and the posture that the Lord wants us to remain in. You see, moments of repentance and surrendered 
are, are followed by moments of unaware pride and resulting pain. Moments of revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, are immediately followed by moments where, when we side with the adversary in trying to hinder Jesus and we are rightfully rebuked by him. We are never to lift our face up out of the dirt, prostrate before our, our Messiah in worship and adoration. That's where we are closest to him. That's where we are closest to his example and closest to our proximity of him. If our posture resembles this, he will enable us to fully embody him. Truly, when we are weak, he is strong. When we are in the posture of humble repentance, he will give us grace to become obedient, embracing the cross. Let me read one more passage of scripture and the last bulk passage that we will be meditating on as we round out this time of sharing. Now, you will note that this passage of scripture is purposefully strikingly familiar to the scene we opened with today. We turn to another miraculous net-busting catch and Jesus calling Peter to follow him once more. But this time we're going to read it from the gospel according to John. So please turn with me to John chapter 21. This is after Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection and his some appearance to his disciples. But now we open in John 21 with Jesus appearing to Peter and the disciples. And I want you once again to note the scene and to note Peter's response. So we're going to read from John chapter 21 verse 3 all the way to 12 and beyond. John 21 Verse 3 to 12, once again I'm reading from the ESV. So this is after Jesus' death and his resurrection. And Peter does what Peter does. He, Simon Peter said to them in verse 3, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night, once again, they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John's way of saying himself, John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Pete, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. They were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with the fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went on board and hauled the net ashore full of fish, 153 of them, an important number if you want to do your study. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. What a beautiful scene this is of Jesus having a fish bry, a fish breakfast on the beach with his disciples after his resurrection, appearing to them once again. 
But note as we open this passage, we find Peter in a humbled, a further humbled posture. He's casting his nets all night and not catching a single fish once again. He is a broken figure, his pride shattered through his denials and his abandoning of his loved rabbi, his master and his Lord. He loved him truly with everything he has. But Peter finds himself being found by Jesus once more. Note, he does not find Jesus, but Jesus finds him. In much the same way that Jesus found him at the start. Instructing him, directing him, and filling his empty nets and his life. You see, Jesus doesn't leave Peter. He finds him again and calls him deeper into a closer following and serving. Just as Jesus redirected Peter's nets from fish to men in the first fish miracle, Jesus repeatedly asked Peter to redirect his love for his rabbi and shepherd to the sheep and to the lambs that he leaves in his care. Let's enter this beach breakfast, this fish fry scene once again, and let's read from John 21. I'm just going to read verse 17 and the latter parts of verse 19. And we're going to pick up from Jesus' third question. We picked up from Peter's third denial. We're going to pick up from Jesus' third question. John 21, verse 17. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You see, he redirects his love for his rabbi, Jesus, his master. Jesus redirects that love for him. And he knows he's going to leave him with the Holy Spirit and be with him on this journey but no longer in person. He knows he's going to ascend and he wants to redirect that love he has for his master, for his Lord, to the sheep and to the lambs left in his care. And, and let's read the last part of verse 19, which really floored me as I read this account. Verse 19, right at the end. And after saying this, he said to him, Jesus saying to Peter once more, three years later, post-resurrection, Jesus appearing to him, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. The last phrase Jesus gave Peter as they began to depart the beach once again is follow me. Imagine they're packing up their, the bright the stuff. They, they're discarding all the waste that they had. They're sorting everything out. They're getting their, note, their boats ready and they're about to leave. And Jesus says to Peter one more time, follow me. Peter's humble posture means he is more ready to serve Jesus all the more. He is, he is ready to follow him closer than he has ever followed him before. Even as his Messiah doesn't just depart the beach, but will depart the physical earth, he calls out to Peter to follow me. Folks, whether you're meeting Jesus for the first time, whether you've, you've long surrendered your life to him and have been walking with him throughout many of your years, the postured call will always be, follow me. Let us continually behold our Messiah, be flawed by him, face in the dirt type of flawed by him, through our posture of humble repentance 
may we hear his voice calling us closer to follow him. Let me close in a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you found us. That even before we were a figment or an imagination in our parents' eye, Lord Jesus, or a glint in their eye, Lord, that you knew who we were and you knew who we are to become, your followers. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you found us. Just like Peter on the Sea of Galilee, just like Peter in his boat, just like Peter on the, on the beachfront having a, a breakfast with you, you ask us as we are postured in humble repentance, you call out to us to follow you. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your words never, never fade. They never change. That no matter how old we are in our relationship with you, no matter how experienced we are in this walk, that you continue to call us closer and call us deeper into relationship with you. Lord, we pray, Lord, that anything in this life that enables us to be humbled and postured in repentance to you, may we not resist. May we not resist the instruments that you allow for ourselves and our flesh to be crucified. May we embrace Jesus' example and his demonstration, not only on the cross, but every step of his life. To, that led to the cross. May we learn the posture of a Jesus follower. So Lord, we pray for your grace. We pray for your Holy Spirit to enable us to do what we cannot do on our own. Lord, that when we are weak, you are strong, Lord Jesus. And when we are humble, you will give us that grace to enable us to live this life. So Lord, we pray for, for this walk that we have to walk. We pray for our families. May we be an example. May our posture be an example of those around us, wherever we encounter them. May we be a demonstrated example of a posture of humble repentance of a Jesus follower. So I thank you for you, Lord Jesus, today. I thank you for your moments where you, you ask and you reach out for us to follow you. May we heed your call and may we draw closer to you, Lord. And we thank you for this time in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.